Hello and welcome to The Outer Frame. I'm your host, Jason Sellers, and on this episode, we will be celebrating my birthday by discussing Christopher McQuarrie's 2000 crime drama, The Way of the Gun, as well as Richard Shepard's 2005 dark comedy, The Matador. But first, for the record, my associates will be referred to as Donald. Oh, this is me saying something. <laughs> and Riley Meow Meow. You know, that's closer than you usually get, so I'm pretty proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's literally not the furthest off I've ever been called, if that's an unfortunate way to say that. So, anyway. Terrible. I'm going to go change my Twitter handle now. Handle now. Oh my give gosh. Me, give me a second. No, you're fine. <laughs> Make it something festive. You know, that's what you do on Twitter, is you change your handle to something festive. That's a version oh, of your yeah. name. Huh. So I should just change my Twitter handle to something festive? Yeah, like Jason Ranks Trees. What? <laughs> I feel like that could be a reference to uh, the pot. Ginger rye bread. Excuse Perfect. me? <laughs> we are a straight edge podcast here, thank you very much. Yeah. I do have a straight edge tattoo, so. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I don't condone the vices. Like the vice presidents or <laughs> anything, anything that's vice. <laughs> uh, vice principals, I you're totally against them. Not since Jesus <laughs> and Mero left. Vice, vice chairman. Anyway, go on. Why do vice CEO? Why do we need a vice CEO? We've already got one CEO. We don't need a vice CEO. No. An assistant to the vice CEO. <laughs> Executive vice president. Oops. You're fired. Okay. All right. Now that we've gone like eight thousand feet off of <laughs> off of where we're supposed to be, we crossed the line. It's been a fun day. I'm really tired. Riley, what's the worst thing that you've seen this week? What what YouTube video is the worst thing you saw this oh week? My oh God. goodness gracious! <laughs> Was it the uh, the mega video you accidentally clicked on? Mm, no, because <laughs> actually I don't. I there's there's no accidental clicking on those for me. First of all, that, that was a purposeful 100%. click for sure. No, it's that stuff. I just don't even like. It's a. It is harmful to my soul. So I just. It's not even in my like YouTube feed. It's good. More than likely, it was probably some playthrough of someone trying to do a speed run through Borderlands Two, uh-huh. but it only took them two hours. Where I uh-huh. think like the most recent time is like an hour and a half. For fun fact of those, we don't know. But anyway, right I haven't had a lot of time to watch stuff lately. I worked both my jobs this week, and it was a long week. That's, I mean, 90 minutes, that's pretty impressive. You and I have been playing that game for, like, three months. Yeah. I mean, we probably only played for, like, four hours in yeah. that time, but still. Exactly. <laughs> Donnie, what was the worst thing that you saw this week? Uh, the worst thing I saw this week was... Um, I, it's a mixture because I watched the Matador and I was hankering for to go back to uh, watch a little bit of all the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies, and okay. Goldeneye is still definitely the best one, if not like mm-hmm. just one of the best James Bond films in general. But um, what there's uh, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, and then The World Is Not Enough, and then Die Another Day, um, and yeah. They just get progressively worse. Um, although I would make a case that uh, the world is not enough is better than uh, tomorrow never dies. Uh, I'm gonna stop clicking this pen now. Uh, and 
because, I mean, Denise Richards plays a character named named Christmas Jones in The World Is Not yeah. Enough, and at the very the very last line of that movie is post coitus. James Bond says, "I thought Christmas only came once a year," which is the best line to ever leave on a film ever, obviously. <laughs> Um, so such a stud. I mean, I, I feel just like had I need a... to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so that'll be the movie that I watch on Christmas because that's the way I like to celebrate my holiday. Um, as long as the you know live action Jim Carrey Grinch movie because that is just a, a classic. Me and Caitlin will have a side podcast at some point about that film. <laughs> um, but about that and about ten things I hate about you. 10 things I hate about you, which, uh, let's, let's not get into that right now. Um, well, maybe we can, how about let's, maybe this will start a discussion between, uh, do you, do you guys consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. No. Awesome. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> no. It's a, I yes. mean, I've seen in Jason's apartment, he has like the Christmas edition. Yes, I have, that- I have the the cardboard cover that they slipped over the copies that they wanted to get out and like out of the warehouse that they don't have room for them anymore so they put that cardboard (laughs) cover that looks like a christmas sweater on it which is like i actually want that christmas sweater i do not actually want like or the what is it ho 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 now i have a machine gun i want that one (laughs) that's a good christmas sweater i've seen people with that christmas sweater um but no, no, it's a uh, no. I'm so not. Why yes, I'm then? not because if people claim that Die Hard, Die Hard is a very good action movie. I really like it. However, if you claim that is the best Christmas movie, I will punch you in the. I will punch you in the face. I almost there said the f word. I'm trying not to say the f word as much anymore. He gave it up for Christmas. Um. <laughs> I don't believe you give things up for Christmas. Oh, that's not um, how it works. No, Lens coming up though. I'm not even religious. <laughs> I don't know what you're celebrating, Riley, but I don't think it's Christmas. <laughs> I, I'm okay. okay. I'm ready to to go to the next person who was. The Hold worst up! Thing. You don't get to <laughs> throw out your arguments. <laughs> Be like Jason. Okay, we're what, not talking about What do we need to? Look, what do we need to close off I, here? I have I have a very very simple argument. Okay. Okay. Yes. What? How do you? How do you define what is a holiday movie? I would argue that it is a movie that is heavily set during a holiday. Die Hard is heavily set in Christmas time. During Christmas? What what is it about what is it about Christmas? I would okay, here's the thing. I would I would declare that Die Hard with a Vengeance is more of a fourth of July movie than then the first Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Wait, do you mean Die Hard with a Vengeance or Live Free or Die Hard? No, they're both. They both take place, I think, at the same time. Okay, I might actually be wrong. I rescind my argument. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I like, let's, for example, uh, one of my favorite movies is an Easter movie. It is prominently. It's literally what Easter is about, which is. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar and the Crucifixion of Christ and it's one of my favorite movies that is an Easter movie because that is literally what Easter is but Die Hard it's just the time when it's set it's not 
Like, what is the spirit of giving? What is the message they're trying to say in Die Hard, Jason? Are they trying to convey a Christmas message? What's your point? What? I what? guess my fo- my follow up to it though, being a completely unrelated movie to the Die Hard franchise, but still not a movie I hear called a Christmas movie, which is the Home Alone franchise. Mm-hmm. Like it, every single one of them takes place during Christmas, but nobody considered like it doesn't have the the forgive the pun Die mm-hmm. Hard fan base or lack thereof that considers it a Christmas movie. Like, it's just never considered a Christmas movie. Even though it takes, like, so, I don't know, I guess it's, I don't know if it's something that people just like to defend because they like the idea of Die Hard being a Christmas movie, or if if it's just, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting point. I mean, at the same time, though, there are movies about giving that aren't considered Christmas movies. True. So, once again, I refer you back to my original argument how do you qualify a holiday movie as a holiday movie? My only argument is that it is set during that time. That's it. That's fair. <laughs> All right, now that we've sufficiently beat that topic to death. <laughs> beat, beat this dead horse. Uh, and, oh, hey, speaking of Christmas, I watched a Christmas movie this week, and it's the worst thing that I saw this week, and it's called, um, I think it came out two years ago, three years ago maybe, and it is called Office Christmas Party. <laughs> I think I've heard of this one. Yeah, it was. It got a lot of uh, press. It's, it had a pretty decent cast. Jason Bateman was in it. Um, Kate McKinnon's in it. Um, there were quite a few SNL people that mm. you see in SNL that were that were in it. And then, unfortunately, uh, T.J. Miller was in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair yeah. Enough. And oh. Uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. Jennifer Aniston, she was in it. Um, I don't know. There were, I'm not gonna lie, there were a couple moments that that genuinely made me laugh. Uh, but for the most part, it is very eye rolly, well tread, been there, done that. Don't need to see it again. Don't want to see it again. Territory. Usually, comedies that tread that line need to have a really, really likable cast. And this one just did not. So I don't know. I mean, if you if you really really are jonesing for a Christmas movie, I guess you could watch this. And you don't want to watch the countless uh, repeated formulas on Lifetime Television. Or Die Hard. Or Die Hard. <laughs> or Home Alone. <laughs> then yeah, I guess you can watch this. But I I was not a fan. So yeah, all right. that's all. That's that's really all the time I think we need to spend talking about that. Perfect. Uh, Riley, what was the best thing you saw on YouTube this week? Uh, I recently have taken a liking to watching people play the game Beat Saber in VR, and obviously anybody that's listened to me talk about Ruby knows that I love Ruby as well, the show, and somebody did, uh, they put together first, they composed the track for the Beat Saber run, and then played it on a very, very difficult setting where they're basically just going nuts like i can't even follow any of the notes in this person and it's obvious it's a person because during the breaks they're dancing mm-hmm. with the yeah it they put together red like roses part one and two which is a theme song from ruby and play it all the way through <laughs> it's like nine minutes of this person just going ham in beat saber and that was the best thing i've watched this week more than like 14 times because it gets me pumped up right away in the morning it's great that's exciting yeah i love it so, 
So what was the best thing that you saw this week, Donnie? The best thing I saw this week was a... It was a movie that we have already done a podcast on, which is John Wick 3 Parabellum. And... I I don't know why they decided to put um, a subtitle or an extra title to to the third movie when they didn't do it for the second one, but um, John Wick three still a very good action movie. Um, I don't think there's too much uh, a whole bunch that needs to be said about it, and I don't really have much to talk about. But I have a few questions for you. What's up? Two questions specifically. Uh, I watched some of the behind-the-scenes of John Wick 3, and uh, Keanu Reeves is kind of, like, old. Like, how many more John Wicks do you think he's gotten them? You know, I was pretty not on board for them doing a second one, and I loved it. <laughs> and I believe his answer was that because somebody asked him that. Somebody said, you're getting older. How much longer are you going to play this character? And I'm pretty sure he said, I'll keep doing it until they stop offering me the right. role. So I guess my answer is I'll keep watching it until they stop offering him the role. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can't really picture anybody else playing John Wick. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, uh, Tom Cruise still plays What's-His-Face from the Fallout. Can't Ethan think of Hunt. the name right now. Ethan, or from Mission Ethan, 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 Ethan yeah, from Mission Impossible, and he's been doing that since the nineties. What nineteen? Yeah, the nineties. Real, real quick, one of my favorite jokes that I've ever heard is that how great would it be if Ethan just randomly mentioned that he had a brother <laughs> named Mike? <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> what are you seven? Didn't say anything else. Just, just throwaway line. By the way, my brother Mike. Yeah, and. Oh, fans losing their collective minds which totally understandable I I also want to say that uh, Riley and I recently we were talking about Old Boy which she's never seen and I was showing her a comparison between the hammer fight that's in the original versus the hammer fight from the Mm -hmm. Spike Lee movie and what's great about the Park Chan-wook old boy hammer hallway fight scene is that you can tell that it's clearly like an older dude who's just trying not to die. Trying his best. Whereas in... Yeah, and and honestly, like I can believe that that is that actor doing that stuff as opposed to the Spike Lee version where Josh Brolin's character is doing like crazy parkour... He doesn't even get stabbed. Yeah, he never gets hurt. Nobody lands a punch on him. He's dodging everything. And I'm just like, I have seen Josh Rowland and stuff. He cannot no. move that fast. And like, normally when a scene is really long, which it is in the original one, it it uh, lends less credit to its believability. But in all honesty, watching the Josh Brolin one, I'm like, this is like half of the time. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so much worse where you even believe that the longer original cut is the one that's more believable mm-hmm. in the end because of how much better it is because like you said it's just some guy plugging away adrenaline going getting punched getting beat getting stabbed and still getting up over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again it's so so good so the to be clear the reason that i bring that up is that i know that keanu reeves is He's not a 50s. young man but i can 
Yeah, I can still believe that somebody in their 50s is doing the stuff that he's doing in John Wick. So, as long as they do it in a way that... I mean, even if it's not him on the screen most of the time, but as long as it's believable, I'm game. Yeah. Okay. What's your next question? My next... Number two. two. Question number two is, um, do you think at some point... uh, because my personal belief is that if they don't if if they need to like wrap it up with like two more movies that would probably be like the sweet spot for me I'd like them to do like um, John Wick 5 and then have it like end from there Um, like I don't mind if they keep making the films but that would be like I feel like that'd be nice wrap it up in like two films after this Um, but at some point do you think the raid guys because they don't die at the end of their fight at the end of John Wick 3 like he just defeats them and he's they're just like he lets them live he's just like you guys seem like you're just like tuckered out so I'm not gonna kill you while you're down (laughs) which I appreciate a lot because during their fight like they knock him down and are about to kill him and they're just like they put their knives away and they give like they give him a hand to get back up and they're all kind of like just having fun uh, at some point, like, they're still obviously trying to kill each other, but, like, they're just having, like, a sportsman-like fight between the, between the three of them. Um, do you think, like, yeah. the, like, the big war that's coming up, do you think, like, uh, like, they come back and they, like, help John since, like, he, he didn't kill him? Or, and, and do you think Common comes back, too, and he's just like, he's like, John Wick. He's like, you didn't kill me. This is why I'm helping you. <laughs> honestly the fact that common didn't come back in this one was a real bummer for me i was really excited because they did such a great job with that and kind of you know purposefully leaving him alive that i was really bummed he didn't come back yeah. in this one so yeah no i would be i would be very down to see him come back in the in the fourth one and Honestly, no, I, I agree. Like, if, if they run out of story to tell, I would be totally cool with them ending it. I think that they're doing a really cool thing with how they're doing the spinoff on the Continental. And then they also have another spinoff movie called The Ballerina, yes. I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of yeah. that. And so I'm, I'm down for both of those because they don't sound like they're directly involved with John Wick, but that they're further explorations of that universe right and if you don't if you don't want all that backstory you can still just watch the john wick movies it's like separated from it yeah exactly and i one of the things that i appreciate so much about the john wick movies i mean yeah the action's really cool but every movie that comes out these days the universe is about to be destroyed by something like the whole world is at stake yeah and in this in these ones it's just a guy who's mad that his dog got killed <laughs> like that's that's what it all traces back to yeah it's a very human fight of like mm-hmm. the one piece of you has been taken away that you were desperately clinging to and now you're pissed about it and you're going to go take it back yeah, it's not the weight of the world on his shoulders. Nothing's riding on it, and if he would have failed and died, like nothing would have changed. I'm I'm also really excited because uh, for the fourth one, that means there's going to be more Jason Manzukis, and I'm obviously a huge Jason. Yes, Manzoukas the TikTok fan, so, man. Uh, more, more TikTok, TikTok man. man. That was one of my favorite parts. 
It was it was only a few seconds, but th- those few seconds in the third one, when he says TikTok, Mr. Wick, oh, I loved it. Gave me a boner <laughs> right in the theater. Hey, Nong Man. <laughs> hey, Nong Man. Uh, anyway, anyway, those are those are the pressing questions I had for anyway. you guys. Anyway. So. <laughs> for, for, for everyone right. else who doesn't listen to Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It's a, it's in Wreck-It Ralph, so, too. We're just making a Wreck-It Ralph reference. <laughs> so the best thing that i saw this week i went back and forth on this a lot and ultimately i am going to settle on uh a movie that i really wanted to see last year and i wasn't able to catch and i got to see it this week and it's called blind spotting and if you have not heard of it it is about this black guy and now i want to be clear the trailer will have you believe that this is a movie about a guy who sees... He's he's uh, African-American. He's on... He's, he's living in a halfway house. And I think it's that he's on his, like, third... He's got three or four days left before his parole is done. And he's... Or not parole. Um, Probation? Yeah, parole, right? That's, that's when you live in a halfway. Probation. There that's what go. I'm looking for. Probation. He's got three or four days left until his probation is done. He doesn't have to live in this halfway house anymore. He doesn't have to check in with this officer anymore. And his life goes back to normal. And he witnesses a police officer shoot an unarmed black man. And the trailer would have you believe that this whole movie is about him trying to decide whether or not to go turn the cop in. What the movie is actually about (laughs) is him and his friend... And just kind of how fucking shitty Chicago is. <laughs> um, honestly, the the trailer made it look like a hardcore drama, and this is gonna sound kind of weird, but like, especially considering what I just told you guys, well, this is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> like, the the two guys that wrote it are apparently in a rap group. Oh. And they're also the stars of the movie, and they do a phenomenal job nailing i mean one they're just great in the movie two their dialogue the way that they go back and forth is just fantastic um but at the same time like as funny as it is there are some real hard-hitting moments which are great because they come out of well maybe not out of nowhere because they are set up but when they when they finally hit you're just like oh my god and one of my favorite examples which this isn't spoiling anything but uh, his friend, his BFF, is a white guy who's married or dating a black woman, and they have a kid. They have a son together, and the son and the main character are playing on the sidewalk, and the main character. I think it's he gets frustrated with him, and he points his. He does like a finger gun at him. And the the child throws his hands up and says, like, I'm unarmed. And his mom, you can hear from the window, yells, we've been training him how to act around police. Oh my god. <laughs> and like, and then she shows that they have this little, this little pamphlet that they've been going over and it shows how to teach your kids about the police and how to not get shot by the cops. Oh my god. And... Now, don't get me wrong. This is, like, I know that everything I just said is about police. This is not an anti-police movie. This is a commentary on racial politics. 
in America. And I absolutely loved it. It's really, really funny. It's really, really moving. It's got a really great cast. If you get... I think it's on... It's on either Tubi or Crackle or HBO. Um, and it's absolutely fantastic. So if you get the chance to watch it, highly recommend it. I absolutely loved it. It blew me away. Did not think I was going to care for it that much because it, that movie had the same plot as like four other movies that mm. came out last year and yeah no i absolutely loved it it was amazing and i highly recommend that everybody check it out so that's blind spotting all right <laughs> yay, yay movies Brad. movies <laughs> that i didn't watch this week other than today <laughs> all right all right <coughs> all right sir and lady let us get in let's start with the uh, okay. matador Woo! so I stumbled upon this film. When I was younger, my parents would not let me watch rated R movies. And I was a good little boy and did not watch rated R movies unless invited to do so with my parents. Side note, I'm sure, sure I've shared the story before. First R rated movie I ever saw, my dad showed me The Thing when I was 10 years old. Nice. Scared the fucking shit out of me. Uh... <laughs> Maybe that's what, why. What a movie! Like your first rated R experience. We're gonna show you this psychological thriller about you can't trust anybody ever and, again. And, and here's some horif some horrifying and truly haunting practical effects of people. Oh, dying. like the mutation yeah. of yeah. the thing itself. Like it's it's one of the most horrifying. Yeah, the spider head is the is the biggest thing for me. Yep. That fucked with me for a long time. Anyway, anyway. So, <laughs> so maybe that's why I didn't want to watch any rated R movies until I was older, because <laughs> that was the first one. I it's, saw. it's just like you're under the impression that everything is just this horrifying yeah. monster mess. Like no wonder they have it rated R. No wonder you have to be an adult to see this. These are horrible. <laughs> so the Matador, which came out uh, as I earlier mentioned in 2005. Uh, when I would see a trailer for something that I thought looked interesting, I would just like make a mental note of it in my head and be like, when I turn 17, I'm watching you. And <laughs> this was one of those movies. And it, I really didn't get what I was expecting because the trailer makes it look like much more of a slapstick comedy about a hitman who's just kind of going through a midlife crisis. And although this is a comedy, it's also got some very... Uh, personal moments and there's also some pretty intense scenes and I also just quickly want to throw out that Julian Noble is like one of my all time favorite film characters um, anyway I can gush about this movie all day I want to hear what you guys thought of it I we didn't I don't think we got to watch the trailer today mm -mm. we watched the one for way to gun but anyway <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah the way that you watch it thinking that uh, it's just a comedy movie, and then all of a sudden it just starts gut-punching you right in the feels. Like, mm -hmm. hard. The rip spoilers for this movie, if you haven't seen it. Um, it's 13 years old. Fuck you if you just, haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, the way it just kind of starts hitting you with the fact that Julian has lost his confidence in the ability to be an assassin, and that every time he tries to take someone out, he fails because he just can't pull the trigger anymore mm -hmm. and he's he's not only not only that but seeing himself on the other side of the scope either himself or the young version of himself like he's finally 
recognizing the humanity in his victims and realizing what he's snuffing out and then he can't do it anymore and i'm like holy shit that's amazing (laughs) while also packing in like the comedy bits where he what does he say like well when i was young i wanted to be a cheerleader and go out with the band (laughs) and then they're like really and he's like no of course not why would i do that I don't want to be a fucking cheerleader. No, I want to talk about the fucking thing that we were talking about a minute ago that you won't <laughs> let me fucking talk about. And I'm only going to talk about cheerleaders if I'm getting into Sophie shower with them. <laughs> uh. But, uh, yeah, this movie was, it's definitely not what I was expecting. Like, I was like, oh, this is actually like a funny movie Jason's mm-hmm. showing me for once, and <laughs> I was wrong yet again. <laughs> but it's definitely worth watching. It. The humor and the feels that it hits you in all the time, uh, while still maintaining its air of comedy. Just a little lack of seriousness here and there. Super good. Really liked this movie. But I watched it for the first time today, and I also wasn't paying attention to it the whole time. So it's also a good background mm. movie. <laughs> Just so you know. We were making D&D characters at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Powering through. And I still got the gist of the whole movie and watched <laughs> the end and still understood. So, Donnie? Yeah, I liked it a lot more than... Because I had kind of known about this film for a while. Um, like, I'd seen the trailers and stuff like that a long time ago, and it was just like, oh... And I can't remember exactly what headspace I was in for, like, where I was and how I thought about film and what kind of films I actually wanted to watch. It just didn't seem like the thing that I wanted to watch. Um, but yeah. now that I watch it, um, like, I like it a lot. Uh, I think, yeah, Pierce Brosnan is really good. I think Greg Kinnear, who I'm not, like, a super huge fan of, but, like, sometimes he can be, like, really, really effective, especially in the role that he's cast mm-hmm. in here. Like, as, you know, he's just, like, this goofy, like, he just wants to, he's a, he's a company man who just wants to, like, make a living so that he can be comfortable with his wife and just have a stable job you know like it's very straight laced like he's the straight man in the situation pierce brosnan is the crazy one um and uh (laughs) i like the stuff from the trailer that i thought was off-putting was just like oh him walking through the lobby of the hotel in just like a speedo and some boots and i'm just like this seems like a dumb movie um and (laughs) It's a silly part in the movie. I did appreciate when he dived into the pool. It was not actually a pool. It was where the shark was supposed to, is. It's a, it a shark tank. And the funny thing is, the next shot I, that they cut to is uh, Gray Kinnear's character Danny and his business partner, like in front of a pool, like talking about something. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, something's gonna happen in the background. Uh, involving Pierce Brosnan, but I was really glad that it didn't. <laughs> I don't know if that's like director's intent or not. Yeah. But um, like I think it's it's acted really well. I think Hope Davis is pretty funny. The scenes that she is in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do I do like uh the twists like the twists in the story do not like they don't break your neck essentially like. They're not they're not so far of a reach. Um, there is there is a part of me who wishes uh, like the reason why I can't like say I love this movie is because it all seems to wrap up a little bit too nicely at the end. Um, because mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, 
there was this one target that Pierce brought, uh, you know, that Julian is supposed to kill, and then he's going to be all right. Uh, and then on the plane coming back from uh, Arizona, I think was where they were. Um, yep. yep. And uh, he was just like, that wasn't actually like a job. That was the guy who wanted to kill me. We just killed him. And I was just like, okay, so this is where Julian goes like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to have, like, a bunch of people after me because I just killed, like, the main boss. And I was just like, <laughs> but, like, great, Danny's just like, he's like, all right, and then gives him a little, like, uh, like, little, little slug on the shoulder. And I was just like, and then, and then mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, this is going to turn out bad. <laughs> and But it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. He, they just uh, he he sees uh, uh, he sees them off when uh, uh, when Danny goes to uh, goes to the grave of uh, him and his wife's son, and he gives the the Greek the Greek tickets, which I didn't. I thought he was lying about for Greece, and he puts it on their mm-hmm. windshield and then walks away, presumably going off their life, um, and. I was like, what, what, like, there were some, some tonal issues I had, but, I mean, they're just kind of little nitpicks here and there, but honestly, I just think, like, Pierce Brosnan is, like, his performance enough, is, like, enough to get you through this film, and, uh, like, there's not, there's not any bad parts about it, I just kind of, I was waiting for another twist, or something, like, something mm-hmm. unexpected or something a little bit i don't know dirtier to happen and everything is like like very tidied up like the end is is very much in the in the camp of making you feel good and not like like having a little like like the movie giving you a sly smirk at the end going like Julian's being a crazy person again he was lying about you know and like <laughs> so um yeah. Or just leaving a bittersweet, like, it almost, you almost wish it would wrap up bittersweet instead, because I agree, it does Mm -hmm. almost wrap up too nicely with, like, a neat little bow, like, alright, everyone's okay, they made it through, Julian got over his fear of murdering people again, and now they're all going to Greece, (laughs) awesome. And it's presented as a very good thing, when in reality you're kind of like, wait, did he just go backwards in character development? Because he, he was able to pull the trigger with the help of his one and only friend. And instead, you're like, oh, nope, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, you should almost wonder if he's, like, you kind of want a bittersweet feeling at the mm-hmm. end. Like, no, everything's not okay. Julian's still not okay. And now he has to run for the rest of his life. Because you're right. He just mm-hmm. took out the main boss who is going to obviously have underlings who are like, shit, Julian just shot him. We need to go get him instead. So, yeah, I'm Donnie. I, uh, I agree, but at the same time... I I don't know something I talked to Riley about uh, before we started recording was that I once again as I said I love this movie and I think the main reason why and I think we've all hit on this the the biggest reason that we enjoy this movie is because Pierce Brosnan does such a great job playing Julian Noble and hitting those beats as a guy who genuinely seems to be going through a uh, midlife crisis or an existential crisis and watching him is just fantastic however um, I also I agree that everything wraps up too nicely 
and I agree that I feel like the movie leaves you wanting more. And I'm really bummed on the one hand because I know we're never going to get a sequel to this and I'm never going to get to see uh, Pierce Brosnan or Prize's role as Julian in another movie. But at the same time, I don't know where in the world they would go with this story that would reunite both him and Danny. To go, yeah, go on another yeah. adventure. Uh, without making it just feel like, yeah, or just more of the same. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. This is one of those movies that, you know, I I love this character so much and I'm just happy for the time that I get to spend with him. Aww. The best (laughs) birthday present Jason could have got. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah, the movie is what it is and there's no changing it and, you know, sometimes it's just, it's just fun to have one of those, I, it's it's a simple movie in that way. Like, I don't think the characters are simple, but yeah. it's, it's one of those films that, you know, you can watch and like, it's all like all the edges are, are sanded off and you can like, it's very, it's very smooth. Yeah. And I was looking at this guy's filmography and the only other thing he's done that I think I've seen is the perfection, which came Weird. out this year, I think. Okay. Which hmm. I don't I don't know if you guys have seen no. the perfection. No, um, I believe it yeah, is on it's a, Netflix. Yeah, it's one of the Netflix originals. And yeah, so if you get the chance, I really liked the perfection, but at the same time, it is another one of those movies that where there's like a bunch of weird shit that happens, and then it all just kind of comes together really nicely in the end. And um, I don't know, it's yeah. It's it's really good though. I really really liked it, and um, so I just I just thought of that, but and I thought that was kind of funny because it's similar. Right on. I was going to say that my my favorite scene in this film, and this is one of my very favorite scenes in cinema, is when is is the as it's put the 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 tutorial scene when Danny asks. Or when uh, Julian first reveals that he's the hitman, and Danny doesn't believe him, so he's like, "All right, well, how do you do it?" And he's like, "I don't know. It depends on the guy or the target." And so Danny's like, "All right, that guy, that guy right there. No, or money's no cost." And so you know, at first it starts out, and everything is fine, and um, Dan- or Julian is just kind of walking Danny through. You know, like, oh, this is, you know, the gotta pee rule, and this is what I think about this, and you want to check for an exit, and you gotta have a distraction, and then that realization when Danny's like, oh my god, he's actually gonna kill Mm -hmm. this guy, (laughs) and and then that moment when he's like, remember Danny, this is what you wanted, this is what you're paying for, and then it was so much, I loved being able to sit in the room with uh, Riley, who'd never seen this movie before, and watch her face when he slams the door open. And he just goes, oh, sorry, my yeah. bad. <laughs> Excuse me. And then shuts the door again and immediately walks back out. Oh, that is such a great payoff. Oh, I... it, and yeah, and then Danny's just left in the background like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I think my favorite scene is when Julian shows back up at the house after, what, mm-hmm. six months of not yep. seeing Danny. And he's never met Danny's wife, Bean. Yep, Bean. <laughs> um, And she's like, wait, that's him? That's the hitman? And she's, like, hiding behind the wall, going, like, there's a fucking killer in our fucking house. Yeah, and, fuck, fuck. And, he, she's like, and he says, like, um, 
Like, you don't have to curse about it. She's like, well, if not now, when? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, exactly. I, I love that she goes she goes immediately from that to, do you think yeah. he'll show me his gun? <laughs> yeah, do you think he'll show me his gun? Uh. Gentlemen, I'm drunk. <laughs> the classic suburban, like, middle-aged wife. He's like... Be like, oh, oh no, awesome. I'm very afraid of danger, but also I need some excitement excitement in my life. <laughs> Donnie, did you have a particular scene you wanted to chat about? Uh or moment? I hmm. I would say not in particular. I think we probably like touched on the ones. Uh the shark the scene's pretty good. The shark scene's mm-hmm. fine. Uh I did <laughs> I I thought um uh, when when the 6 months later card came up I was like actually kind of shocked like audible like uh okay came out of my mouth cuz I was like wait a second what 6 months <laughs> so that was um but but wait but when they went back and uh and they they showed what the actual conversation that they had in the hotel room was that might be my favorite scene. That's very yeah. good. Where uh, Julian, like Danny, gives, like he gives Julian a choice without like he was just he was like contemplating and wanting to have him have Julian kill the competition so that the deal that Danny was pitching was was going to go through. But what he, I mean, what was really happening is that was the linchpin for Julian to make that turn that he did, even though, you know, he had other hits after after he left Mexico, um, that he didn't he didn't mm-hmm. do properly. Um and I think that was that's probably the thing that keeps the movie together. And I think it was really important for them to skip over that. And and I think that's why the six months or the six months later is probably as effective as it is. Because, um, mm-hmm. uh yeah, because um, if they hadn't, uh, it's just the most important scene in the movie to me. And I think maybe that's why it's my favorite. Cool. Yeah. No, I agree, and I also I love that one of the things that I really like about this movie is the first time you watch it when Julian says that line when he's because Danny asks him, you know, who do you assassinate? And Danny or Julian says, or yeah, Danny's like, do you, is it for the mob? Is it politicians? And Danny says, please, I do corporate work mostly. Corporate gigs. And at that moment, I was like, oh, clearly, (laughs) this is where they're going with this. Is that, you know, he's going to kill Danny's competition. And then when, or later in the movie, when uh, he shows up at their house and he's like, you know, you owe me. And I was like, oh, okay, yep, that's what happened. Yep. And then they even show it, but they don't show you the full scene. And I was like, yep, there it is. Knew it. And then when they finally show you the full scene and he's like, no, I'm not going to do this because you'll hate yourself. I was like, oh, aw. Aw. Wait, Aww. there was there was one more Love thing that I wanted to talk about before we moved on from the Matador. Um, okay. The opening scene, the first assassination by Pierce Brosnan, Julian. Uh, when uh, he's waiting mm-hmm. and he's watching that expensive car, and it's in Denver, and that's <laughs> where Danny works, and he got laid off from his job because like his boss exploded in a car, right? 
Like, that's what's implied? Is that Julian killed, like, a CEO of the company and then Danny lost his job? Okay. Because mm-hmm. they never explicitly say that. They At the bar scene, he, he just says, oh, like, two and a half years ago, like, I just got cut loose from my for my job in Denver yep in Denver <laughs> you're like and and Julian's just like hmm okay <laughs> like I think Julian knows oh, uh, right, but also the little back and forth between the kid and Julian when he's sitting on the park bench is maybe one of the <laughs> the funniest things I've seen <laughs> just like yep Julian nope. just Agreed. like in work mode and uh, does not want to he does not want to talk and he's just he's like ah, I smell you that's good. Smelled you shouldn't have to tell you. <laughs> it just seems such like an improv line, too. Like, I wonder if Pierce Brosnan was just... And his facial expression he does after just... <laughs> yeah. Like, like wait, you are literally a child, uh-huh. too, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Uh, well, let's get into The Way of the Gun. Sweet. And really quickly... I really like this movie, and I would obviously I want us to watch it. I want to. Oh, I want, is it too late? <laughs> I, want, I want to throw out a quick backstory for anybody who is, which is probably most everybody, uh, unaware of the history of this film. So Christopher McQuarrie wrote and directed this. Who and before this, he wrote The Usual Suspects, which I think he either got nominated for or won an Oscar for. Um. And so then after that, he he did this, and then he's now known for his work on the Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. The newest ones, you yep, said, right? the newest ones. And he, so in between, he was told, like, oh, or he, he was getting all these offers, but he said he was getting frustrated because they were all for things that were... Like they were, they were all uh, pitches from the studio. Like we want you to do this, we want you to do this, and it was nothing. Like nobody wanted to do his work, and he got really frustrated. And Benicio del Toro, who apparently they're friends, um, and you know Benicio del Toro is in the Usual Suspects as well, uh, told him that he should just write another crime movie and. Christopher McQuarrie said okay and so he wrote this and a lot of studios didn't want to touch it but I guess he finally got it at a budget that was affordable and so they made it and it's awesome (laughs) and it's great I I think I know why you like this movie Jason yeah why do I like this movie because it's full Uh, of dude stuff because you you are a punk you are a punk and this is the punk version of no country for old men so you you love this messy messy film <laughs> because this is pretty that pretty is much pretty it. much yeah. sets in the exact like if you were to take like compared to no country for old men this movie is so grimy compared like so messy so like i don't know like you can't even the characters themselves, like, you can never get an entire grasp on this film. Like, in No Country for Old Men, like, you know exactly mm-hmm. who these characters are, where they stand, 
like what's gonna happen what if they're stuck in a situation you know how they're gonna act like don't get me wrong no country for old men is a great movie but this movie this is the movie that like keeps you on the edge of your seat and you're and because the characters are way way too unpredictable for you to be able to like know what's gonna happen next and it it makes for a really exciting um viewing experience definitely on the first time um and then, like, the character work, I think, is enough to, to keep coming back to it. Yeah. No, and really quickly, I just want to say that one of my favorite parts, or one of my favorite things about this movie, is that there is no point where someone says, uh, this is the way of the gun. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that's so silly, but, like, I feel like there's so many movies where they feel... You like that's such a oh that's such a great line we have to work that in somehow, and I know it's weird to start probably talking about how much I love a movie by talking about something that's not in the in the movie, but for real, they... well because it, it leaves room to interpretation of mm-hmm. like what your idea of what that title means mm-hmm. as compared to a character saying it out loud and being like this is the way of the gun and now you're like oh now that's what it is forever and ever there's no moving around it mm-hmm. we're in this yeah th- it's not explicitly stated what that title means so you watch the movie and you're left to ponder okay why did they choose this and what does that mean for me which is great i love that uh okay so my first question for everybody uh who is your favorite character donnie uh long ball which right. is uh Riley. yeah you know who that is uh, it's it's benicio del toro's character benicio del toro well him he's pretty great um so what's it serrano oh joe serrano yeah he's my favorite james con yeah uh yeah character's awesome i'm also gonna side with donnie and say longbow oh i would have said i would have picked that too he (laughs) i I love that if he's really your favorite character then you should just i mean i like both of them a lot um but longbow's character i think just in his unforgiving unwavering nature even though you almost wonder if he's the more redeemable one even Mm -hmm. though no No. one's really redeemable but for a while you're kind of led to believe in the beginning like oh maybe he does have some sympathy no Mm -hmm. especially his conversation with his partner about what you're gonna tell god when you meet meet (laughs) him at the pearly gates i'm gonna tell him i was framed yep that's my favorite character right there that's amazing but then serrano's character is great too because Mm -hmm. he's he's his line where he's like you the best the one thing you know about an old man a broken old man is that he's a survivor i think yep right the one of the things that i love about because there's this really great conversation that the two of them have and earlier before they have that conversation ryan Philippi says you know oh this is what's going to happen they're going to send a guy he's going to offer a little bit of money and you robin juliet lewis is like why don't you just take it and he's like because you can't trust that guy and then when benicio del toro and james khan are finishing their conversation um james khan's like why don't you just come with me and take the million and benicio del toro's like you know you're why. a bag man and james khan's like yeah you're a bag man i'm a bag yeah, man yeah and but but I'm but a bag man. but they never come out and say because you're gonna double cross me like they just say because of who yeah, you are. It's and a workplace. Just, People are oh, just talking to each other about nature it's of the workplace. It's kind of like the allegory of the... Yeah. Yeah. 
Like the scorpion and the, the frog. What is it, no, the, the frog, frog or the turtle. The allegor- yeah, scorpion the and the frog. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Like mm-hmm. there's no going back on your nature. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> what's his line where he's uh, where they're like, it was like my f- first round of getting caught, and he's like, it's because you got fucking caught. Like like <laughs> stupid. Like you got caught because you're fucking stupid. Yeah, he's he says something to the effect of like it's your own damn fault because you got caught. Yep. I loved that line. That was pretty funny. Oh. Yeah. This, whole, this movie is just chock full of great lines. And I, I will say that I, I, I was thinking about this before you even said it, but I think that my favorite line this time through was the, uh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell God I'm yeah. afraid. Oh, <laughs> and just the way he says it, his smirk, and the way he's, like, looking down, like, down his nose at this guy, like... And isn't it when he's holding the pistol, like... Yeah, Ryan Phillippe's holding a gun to his head. He's holding the pistol to his neck, and he's just looking down at him like, you know what I'm going to tell God when <laughs> when I get there? I'm going to tell him I was framed. I'm oh, like, that's oh, such a great line. Oh, it's, oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful line. That was the moment that cemented it for me. I was like, yep, <laughs> you're my favorite. No, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, this movie has definitely got its faults. Oh, yeah. It, the first time I watched it, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Because everybody has a secret relationship with everybody else mm-hmm. in this film. And it is it can be very difficult to keep track of. Because there's like eight main characters. And oh, yeah. they all aren't who they seem. <laughs> yeah, there's no given protagonist after the first like half an hour. All of a oh. sudden you have all these new characters. And you're wondering who's supposed to be the good guy. Turns out, none of them. Yeah, these are all really shitty uh-huh. people. I mean, even, even Juliette Lewis, who you think is going to be like... The good, yeah. I even she's a so shitty much. person. Yeah. Like they're all just gar. Yeah, they're all just garbage people. <laughs> doing garbage, doing garbage things in a garbage world. Yep. The only person Money. I have sympathy for yeah. is the dude that just wants to die. Because the first time you meet, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Oh, Abner. <laughs> yeah, he's playing Russian roulette by himself. Are you drunk? Yeah. A little. <laughs> what? What are you doing right now? Not a whole bunch. (laughs) Are you busy? No, not at all. (laughs) I'd really like to be alone right now. Oh, and then... This is like setting the gun down. And then at the end when he dies and and Joe's about to get out of the car and he keeps calling him back and then he's finally like, Joe, I'd like to be alone right now. Do you remember that time? (laughs) Ah, jeez. Can you just leave me alone? I'd really like to be alone. And then reaches his hand up to shake his hand and promptly dies. Oh. Yeah. I, yeah. I love this movie. It, yeah. I, we all we were also gushing about the, earlier, about the, uh, the sperm donation scene. Yeah. Oh my god. Which, don't get me wrong, Ryan Phillippe's segment has probably not aged well. But Benicio del Toro's is still pretty fucking. It's very. Funny. He's like, I haven't killed a man. I didn't bring it up. I didn't ask. But you should. What what makes you qualified to be a sperm donor? Never I killed, killed a man. man. I didn't ask that. Maybe you should. You you brought up having sex with dead people. I didn't ask about it. Maybe, Maybe you, you should. should. Man. Oh. I also I I love. I mean I don't know. It's it's kind of silly. It's kind of cliche. But I love that Parker at the end is the one that wants to kidnap Robin again, even though her guts are hanging out. Yeah, and you've given her enough time. I think is what he says. It's like she's she had enough. Has a baby in her. Yeah. And then and then Longbow is like, no, she's had enough. Let's <laughs> <Yeah>. just go. <laughs> yeah, 
That's a, it's Ugh. there. There is a lot in this movie that really shows uh, Christopher McQuarrie's inventiveness when it comes to how he wants to like just throw you off little bit by little bit in almost every single scene. Um, it's like subversion in like maybe the most effective way I've seen in a long time because I don't remember a whole bunch of this movie since the last time I saw it. Um, especially mm-hmm. in the shootout, which, by the way, after seeing John Wick 3, like, I was not expecting to, like, be wowed by, like, gunplay in a movie, like, after that. But, like, man, this, yeah. like, like, there's a practicality to, like, all the, the, the gun choreography, like, especially at the end, that, like, is, like, really good. Yeah, the final shootout. Well, it's... It's not flashy. It it shows like how they're trying to be strategic as a two man group going against however many people they don't know. <laughs> like twenty five old fat dudes. Uh-huh. And, but they're they they know that the only way they're gonna get out is by paying attention and any slight movement they gotta shoot at. Mm-hmm. And they're just constantly checking corners. As much as I don't like loud things all the mm-hmm. time, despite being a very loud person myself, um. I liked how accurate I felt the noise was for the guns. Like, we had the volume turned up so we could hear the dialogue, which I thought was accurate. And then when the guns started going off, they were super noisy. I'm like, but that's what it would sound like, is going deaf from all the blasts. So I thought that was a unique touch, too. Yeah, at one of my... When you mentioned that, you know, you gotta shoot at whatever. One of the last guys that's left alive that they're shooting at is oh, yeah. when he's behind that <laughs> column. <laughs> And they're both just unloading like madmen. Seriously, they just and bah, bah, bah. I'm like, stop. There's there's a lo- there's a line from a, a Key and Peel sketch, which I'm not going to bother explaining. But I, it popped into my head. I could hear Jordan Peel saying, "It's like at a certain point, do they even know what they're aiming at?" Yeah. <laughs> and that was all that I could think of. But like, <laughs> do they even know what they're shooting at, or are they just shooting because they have the bullets? Which, in the end, if he would have saved even two or three more... He would have saved one. He might have been alive. Yep. Or not bleeding out in the end. This movie is such a comedy in its action. Like, it's very serious. But Mm -hmm. their action sequences... Like, maybe some of the action sequences that I've laughed the hardest at. Like, especially when they're in the car with the other guys behind him. And they're like... They're just, like, moving the car. They get out of the car and don't, like, take it out of drive so it keeps moving. And then, like, the other guys are trying mm-hmm. to bait yeah. them out of the car. And it's like a it's like a Three Stooges skit. It's like some of the best, like, not slapstick but almost slapstick comedy. <laughs> Where, like, it's just it's just like mm-hmm. a comedy of errors almost on, on, like, various people's parts. Yeah. And then the other thing that almost, like, it's, like, horrifying... But in the final shootout, when, uh, when, um, dang it, uh, Parker, like, jumps into that, re- jumps Parker into the, jumps, to, yep. to the dry fountain where the money, the bags are on the, on the ledge and there's broken glass. All you hear first is he jumps in and then you hear him scream, which, like, you don't, you don't hear nope. from him, like, throughout the entire movie. Um, and then all of a sudden it cuts to him and it's, like, one of the most effective pieces of editing where he just has that huge piece of glass stuck in his arm. It's And yep. the crunching. Yep. Just the, the audio. Oh. It's so good. Oh. 
It's so good and so bad. At the they same linger time. on that too. Like they don't cut away. Like that's good. No, it's arguably the goriest part yeah. of the movie. Mm-hmm. No, it was very un- upsetting. Yep. <laughs> in a in a good way. It's not even what murders him. Nope. <laughs> Probably would have died of tetanus uh-huh. I, if he would have lived. Well, they never die. Or AIDS. Or AIDS. <laughs> they don't die at What's the up? movie. Like, I think they they say that like one of the characters asks the other one like, "Oh, what are you gonna say now?" But like, they they cut the yep. they end the movie before they die. So. Sequel. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> they're probably dead. <laughs> See, Donnie still. Don- I would for love a sequel. sequel Donnie, honestly. Donnie, don't. I would also love a sequel. Don't take this the wrong way. I would love it. Fuck up. <laughs> I would love it so much. I'm in agreement, especially if they use Benicio del Toro now. Oh yeah, bring still. him back. <laughs> to- totally. Both of them are still pretty much in their prime, so I would, I would be totally down for it. I mean, I'd be in. He's pretty much playing the same character. I mean, he, like, in every with, movie with with less one-liners mm-hmm. in Sicario. Yeah, like that's why. Like, there's like it's almost like Sicario, No Country for Old Men, The Way of the Gun have like this unintended relationship that like is circling around in my mind, and it like they mix together, but they're also like weird siblings of each other. I just like it's hard for me to separate some of that stuff. Yeah, I don't blame you for that. Oh, it's yeah. I'd still, I would still have Benicio del Toro just right now in his prime. Yeah, like I, I fight fighting John Wick. Fighting mm-hmm. John Wick. That'd be fine. And Ethan's brother Mike. <laughs> what if, what if that's his real name? What if this is Mike Hunt? What if it is? That's horrible. And related distantly to Mike Hawk. Okay, I don't want a sequel anymore. Thanks for beating that out of me. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> no, I uh, I think that this is very much a movie that's very similar to The Matador. I mean, this is a movie that you watch to spend time with the characters. I mean, as unlikable as they are, one of my favorite things... Is in the end, I mean, as they're both laying there dying, I'm not sorry to bur- both, or, uh, burst both of your bubbles, but they're dead. Oh, <laughs> um, bullets do that to people? I know, right? <laughs> but, but Joe doesn't execute Hey, everybody them. listening, you're... Uh... Joe doesn't execute them. He maims them. He, he educates them. He, yeah, he uh-huh. adjudicates them. Yeah, that. He, uh... No, I mean he he shoots them and leaves mm-hmm. them to bleed out because fuck them. And honestly, I mean that's one of my favorite things about this movie is and I know that there's a lot of movies that are like that that have unrepentant characters in them. Uh one of them Donnie and I talked about earlier this year in the podcast, which is The Lords of Chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh Oh god, why can't I think of Euronymous is a very unrepentant character. At the end of the movie, when he's his dead body is there, which is not a spoiler because this is based on a mm-hmm. true crime that happened, um, you hear the voiceover and he's like, "Don't feel bad for me. My life was yeah. fucking awesome. Metal, dude. <laughs> true Norwegian yeah. black metal. Um, 
And, you know, there's there's a lot of times when hearing that in a movie kind of pisses me off. And this is one time, like, one of the few moments that I feel like they actually mm-hmm. did a really good job. Um, because they don't... They, do, they, they tread very carefully to having Parker basically come out and say, fuck you, to the audience. But they don't do that. And another example of it done not great, in my opinion, is Wanted. Okay. The film Wanted. Oh, wait, where, they actually, where he uh, actually does say when, fuck you at the end. Uh, he says, "What the fuck are you done? What the fuck or have you the done?" Fuck are That's you? what it is. Um, yeah, something like that. And it's not great. That movie's not that good. It was a lot cooler when I was uh-huh. like uh-huh. seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I love the speech that he gives at the end when he's like, "We're not like, don't feel bad for us. Yeah, we this chose is the this. way. We're we not. Yeah, what the old and didn't regret yeah. the way in dying either. Like yep. they didn't show." him like pleading and begging for mercy yeah to and, not die and they, they he says you know like we we knew that our options were either to live low class shitty lives or to try to take something great and we tried and we failed yeah don't feel bad like yeah. i i just i loved that there wasn't anger at the audience and i loved that he wasn't angry at his situation he was just saying you know we tried we failed Yep. Oh, well. yeah. Don't Life. feel bad for me. The they world pretty much continues. end up in the same spot as they do at the very beginning of the movie, where they're just bloody on the ground, which is like a really nice, like, yep. closed circle of the movie. By the way, the the first time I watched this movie, I got it from a friend in high school, and he handed it to me, and all he told me was, um, "Hey, this movie's awesome." It, it opens with Ryan Phillippe calling Sarah Silverman a cunt and punching her in the mouth. Fun fact. I was just reading. On set, he accidentally hit her and knocked her out. Oh, no. And, like, the bruising that they use for her and, like, the blood, like, that That's was real. real. And he apologized to her for, like, a week because, like, oh, she, was, she was out cold and apparently woke up to... Him, like, standing over her being like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, she actually got punched in the face by mm-hmm. Ryan Phillippe. I just, I quickly want to say that my favorite story ever that walks that line of, like, oh, here's an accident where somebody almost died on a movie. Have you guys seen Deep Blue Sea? No. No? Sorry. Donnie? I, I vaguely remember this. What is it? I have seen it. Okay, so you know the moment where the glass breaks when, like, right after Sam Jackson gives his speech and they're all trying to run out of the room? Uh-huh. Yeah, that happened. They The glass actually broke on accident and they almost killed the entire cast of the movie. <laughs> like, 3,000 gallons of water just, like, came... And the cast running, that was them genuinely running for their lives. <laughs> that was them trying to get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> because they all thought that they were going I don't to die. Them. Jeez. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, and, like, what a terrible movie to have died mm-hmm. on. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Speak for yourself. Famous actor Samuel Jackson. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I, I, I feel absolutely horrible about what happened with Brendan Lee. I know it was a long time ago, but it's still a very sad story. At least he died doing a cool movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. At least he didn't die on Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. 
and I watched it a lot when right around the time that I graduated from high school. And I haven't seen it in a while, and I was really, really happy that it still holds up. Don't get me wrong, there are definitely a couple of things that feel very dated. There, Ryan Philippi using the uh, homophobic racial slur, not racial slur, homophobic slur, a couple of times too many. Probably do without. Yeah, but. there were there were points where I'm like, okay, yeah. he's making a point. And then he stopped making the points, and I'm like, okay, now you're just saying it for, like, the dramatic... Now now you're just using this word. Yeah, like... Make you sound tough. Yeah, like, oh, I don't give a shit about what I say. Like, okay, buddy, whatever. (laughs) The gun makes your dick look less small. Oh, I I do want to say that one of my favorite... And, Donnie, you spoke to one of the things that makes this film great is the unpredictability of the characters. One of my favorite unpredictable, or not predicted moments is at the beginning when they go to abduct Robin and, uh, oh, what are their names? Jeffers and... I don't remember the other guys. Holbeck. Jeffers and Holbeck, instead of pointing their guns at um, Parker and Longbow, point their guns at Uh Robin's stomach. (laughs) And she says they don't care about dying, they care about losing. Yeah. I'm like, Uh ooh. Like... That that was not at all something that that's not something that you see coming. You're no. Y- you think you're in a pretty standard they think, kidnapping story. And yeah, then... they're gonna try and save the victim. No, <laughs> they don't care about that. They care about losing what they were trying to protect, and they'll they'll destroy it if they have mm-hmm. to. Well, not only that, but I mean that takes that would take away all of. Yeah, like what are you gonna leverage. do now? Yep. Kidnap victims dead. <laughs> that's. This whole movie is basically about two people that did not think of what they were going to do and just do it. Yeah. <laughs> or try. I think Longbow even says that to Serrano at one point. They're like, Serrano asks them, like, which one of you is the brains of the operation? And Longbow's like, I don't think yeah, there are any so brains good. in this operation. <laughs> I think this is a, this is a no brain type yeah. of operation. Be like, hey, take it easy on us. We're new at this. <laughs> yeah. We're both kind of stupid. I. Yeah, doesn't he say that when he's on the phone with yeah. uh, Jeffers? Yeah. No, yeah, he's on the phone with him, and he's just yeah. like, he's like, you know you're an idiot, right? Because that much money in those bills is like two tons, right? Well, and he's it's just our like, first ah, time. give yeah. us a break, it's the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Benicio Del Toro is such a fucking bamf in this movie. Just, yeah, everything he says, it just, <laughs> just, it solidifies the character he's playing. It's so believable. It's so funny. <laughs> So good. Okay. So um, so so great. I have a question. Maybe you guys can shed some light on this. What's okay. up? When they're about to leave Robin, like you said, when they're like, "Oh, she's had enough. Let's just go. This is too much hassle. <laughs> Let's just move on." Um, and Longbow is like, "Oh, well, I left my coat in there." <laughs> and then Parker goes back to. Oh, we t- we had a discussion then, about this. Did we? Not not you and me, but uh, me, Riley, and Because I was Caitlin. very yeah. confused, because Longbow, like, did he forget that it was hanging on the mirror? Did he intentionally, like, so, make Parker go back? I'm with Caitlin, actually. Okay. I, I liked what she said, but I'm going to let you go first, and okay. I will say what she said. So here's the, here's the play out of events, right? Longbow sees... Robin get up 
or Robin is in the yep. hotel room. She's got access to yep, weapons. Yep, the shotgun. Longbow sees her get up and move through to, the window. Like, you can see her moving right. around through the window. And so he uses Parker? Parker. Uh, well, wait. First, so Parker is trying to talk Longbow out of pursuing the kidnapping. Yeah, to just get out of there. And so Longbow asks Parker, or mentions, I forgot my jacket. Parker heads back to the door only for Longbow to pull him out of the way right before he would have been shot by Mm -hmm. Robin. Now, my interpretation of events is that he was going to kill... He was going to let Parker die so that he could continue the kidnapping only for whatever reason. To change his mind. Yeah, he just changed his mind at the last second. Now, when we were watching this earlier, my wife came up with a great theory uh, that Riley is going to share with you. So, because I actually, I had to have Jason pause the movie because I was like, what just happened? Like, what was the significance of this event? Um, so we we watched through it much the same way we did oh, now, and Jason wait, wait. explained. Real, real quick, if you have not seen this movie, I forgot to mention one thing, which is that when Longbow pulls Parker away from the door, you see that Longbow's jacket is hanging on the side of the van, meaning that he... He knew the jacket yeah. wasn't in there. Yep. Um, so, okay, so continue. So... Jason I, Jason explained his theory, and Caitlin said, I always took it as uh, Longbow knew Robin had gotten up, had access to weapons, was going to shoot them, or was going to try and, and uh, to hurt them regardless. Because the point that um, Parker. Parker, thank you, is trying to make is that maybe if we do this, because like, he's, ta- he's talking about God, like, what are you going to say to God when you have to go meet him and all you've done is murder and hurt and steal from people. Like, what are you going to have to give him to say that you're supposed to get into heaven? Mm-hmm. Um, and Longbow doesn't really answer him. He actually pretends, regardless of what theory is true, to go along with giving up the kidnapping. And he says, my jacket's in the room. And Parker says, well, I guess I'll go get it. And Caitlin's theory was that he was letting Parker go in there and was going to save him anyway to make a point that this person that you were going to let go and let live to be that, quote, one good thing that would get you into heaven to balance out wouldn't have mattered because she was going to murder you anyway. Like, you've already wrong, you've already done enough wrong that it didn't matter. Um, and I like that theory personally, that he was he was doing it to make a point that we're already in this and... There's no making it right. It would explain the dialogue afterwards, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) But I I, personally, I think both theories are valid and hold equal weight because it is, it is a questionable scene where you're like, wait, why did that happen? And what was the significance Mm -hmm. of it? But it's, I think left up to interpretation on purpose, but either way, I think both theories are great. To be honest, I don't Mm -hmm. think either one is lesser. I just like the second one a little okay. better personally. We'll we'll be the three people to go to Comic Con and meet Christopher McQuarrie and be like, "Hey, remember that movie you did yeah, back in 2000? Tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your best movie. We got some questions yeah. for you. Hey, Nong Man. 
First of all, how dare you? <laughs> when are we getting a sequel? Sequel. Sequel. But also... Sequel. Sequel. Jason's in the corner going, no, 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 Hey, no. so what was the direction I, I'll be on you board had if when they... you said uh, Benicio Del Toro should look into the hole that was already shot out of the door <laughs> and know that he wasn't going to get his head shot off? Uh, thank you for your time. <laughs> Especially when he goes in and goes, peekaboo. <laughs> yep. And that's why, like, there's, like, a little I, bit uh, of, like, a veil that's lifted where this is all just a grand comedy. And maybe that's just, like, Chris McCory's philosophy mm-hmm. on life. But, like, all this horrible shit's happening. And, like, that little moment of Benicio Del Toro looking through the hole and just going, like, oh? And her, and, like, one of them says peekaboo. And I'm just, like... They're just fucking like just okay. It's Robin. It's just it's like the whole thing is just laughing in your face, but like you don't mind because it's like little yeah. little moments of like dark levity. Yep. Mm-hmm. Agreed. No, I yeah, I was I was gonna say I would be on board for them making a sequel to this movie if they called it the Paths of the Gun. The Path of the Gun. <laughs> paths. Paths. Plural. Okay. Not the ways of the gun? <laughs> okay. Nope. Paths. The way of the gun, part the two. Other <laughs> <laughs> the way back. The way That's back. pretty good. Um, <laughs> the, the way home. <laughs> the way home. Turns out it's just a Spider-Man also, <laughs> It's Sorry. Uh, I have one scene what? to gush about uh, whenever... Uh, okay. Yeah, let's start. Let's start that. What was your uh, What was your favorite scene in the movie? Like all the constructed scenes, I like. Like all the scenes that I'm sure were like completely written out, I really like. Um, and like Chris McQuarrie is mm-hmm. very talented in both writing and directing. However, one of my favorite scenes in mm-hmm. this movie is one that I'm pretty sure was made up on the set, which was uh, Longbow in the convenience store, like stealing stuff. Uh, which I'm sure was scripted, but then, like, <laughs> he's, like, also, like, flirting with, I'm pretty sure, this underage girl who's, like, who's the clerk of the convenience store, and, like, they're, like, hitting it mm-hmm. off, because she's smiling at him, he's, like, a handsome, older, dark gentleman, uh, mysterious, tall, you know, dark, uh, handsome gentleman. Yeah. And he has that tape also with him that shows, like, uh, what we figure out it's the ultrasound, right? Because the wife views it yep. and uh like also like that very end shot after he goes through like the aisles and stealing stuff and he like pops like a snowball or something in his mouth and like and like just like uh shows it to the yeah pops it back out at her <laughs> i'm just like god damn it this is so good <laughs> and then it cuts to them like he's lighting up a cigarette for her while they watch this while they watch this tape and like it maybe is just like He's just having fun at that moment. Like, like everything else, I'm sure, is, like, super stressful that they have to take care of throughout the rest of the movie. And, like, he has this moment where, like, mm-hmm. like it could be super stressed out, but he's just, like, always this smooth operator. And I think that scene probably encapsulates that. It's just so good. Agreed. Riley, what was your favorite scene? Hmm. I think my favorite one would either be the one where he's talking, Longbow is talking to Parker about, or sorry, Parker is talking to Longbow about God and Mm -hmm. the shooting happens and Longbow says, I'm going to tell him I was framed. Or 
the one where uh, Serrano goes up to him and says, so which one of you is the brains yeah. of this operation? And Longbow says, I don't think there are any brains in this operation. Because it cuts away from their conversation like a, like a sitcom or like a regular comedy movie mm-hmm. does. I was like... It, yeah, it was a nice moment of where it reminds you ultimately that there is a lot of comedy in this movie, while yeah. also maintaining it. So yeah, probably one of those two, like those a lot. I think that okay. So I, I've seen this movie like twenty or thirty <laughs> times, and for me, this time that I watched it, I think the standout scene for me is not the shootout, but immediately after. Seeing uh, Joe gun down Benicio del Toro, even though he doesn't have a gun. Oh, and shooting and, him in the knees. Yep, and then sitting there with you know this content like, oh, I've saved my daughter. Um, I killed these two guys that were trying to hurt her and that have caused her so much pain. Like I've had, I've, I have been successful. This is, this is great. And only for Parker and Longbow to go, it's her kid. Yeah. And the <laughs> did doctor. You, did, did you know? Yeah, did you know that? Like, it's so fucking petty, but like... As they're dying, yeah, just not even they're... giving a fuck. They're just like, oh, by the way, that's her kid. Yeah. Your your daughter made a stupid fucking Which decision. Is, wait. Like, wait, they just... Wait, did they say that she's his daughter? Yeah, they. I mean, okay, I don't know... It's if, implied. I don't know if they ever come out and explicitly say it, but they heavily imply it several times throughout the movie. I think the heaviest moment is when they, when Jeffers and... What's his name Olbeck's. again? I'm never going to remember. Oh, something. Yeah. Olbe- Olbeck? Uh, when they're discussing about how you need someone who has emotional detachment from the situation... Oh. And they say, well, why would Hat Joe have any emotional attachment to anyone in the situation unless the girl is, and then they get cut off. By Joe, yeah, by Joe. walking up to them. And then um, the final lines of uh, Parker, I think, is like, you can tell it's family just yep. by looking. Just by looking at someone. And Joe immediately looks at the baby and smiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, now, don't get me wrong, as I mentioned, one of the things that makes this movie kind of frustrating to watch is that... Oh, uh, real quick, I also wanted to say, they also mention that... He he mentions that his daughter... He has a daughter, and that she's working on... She got involved with something. And it's not going well. It's not going well, and that she did it to get him... Or to be able to take care of him oh, in his sure. old age. And... And she mentions that the reason that she did... She kind of starts explaining it. And just is like, you know, I did this for the money because I knew I was going to need it. And so I don't know. Like, I it, I feel like they do literally everything to tell you that they're related without coming... At, without hit one of them saying, oh, hey, dad, or... <laughs> hey, this is your grandson. Hey, daughter. Uh, but at the same time... Now, I know I listed this as kind of a complaint, but this is also one of the things that I really like about this movie is that although it does come off as, like, a very, you know, you can sit back, relax, and just watch it, you do have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that it's an adult film that doesn't, it doesn't spoon-feed you all the things that you need to know. 
it actually makes you pay attention it makes you connect the dots in your head and oh i, I really really love this movie this was a good one this is a good choice very good so great <laughs> hopefully hopefully we get the way home someday <laughs> The we'll way see. home. The way home. God, it'd be so funny. All right. Well, I don't know if I have anything else to say. I'm pretty sure we would all recommend people check these both of these flicks out. Mm-hmm. Agreed. As I as so. I tweeted out, make sure that like if you're depressed, like watch the Mador because it'll make you feel good. If you're if you're really depressed, don't watch don't watch the way of the gun because it will just make you want to. It's not. It doesn't. It's not an uplifting movie. Yeah, it doesn't make you feel good at the end. <laughs> All right. So I just want to throw out a couple things that I really like this week. Uh, I rewatched Spring Breakers today for the first time in a long time, and I know I posted about this on the Facebook page. But man, I I've not seen that movie in a, like probably since I saw it in theaters, and I was kind of worried it wasn't going to hold up, and I still fucking love it. Like that is such a solid flick, and. I love it's a movie that generated a huge discussion about what is uh, feminism and you know what is a positive portrayal of women in film and I love that it contributed something to the debate and that it feels like it's still just as relevant as when it came out I also just one of my all-time favorite movie scenes is James Franco in a room with two bikinied women going look at my my shit shit. look at all my shit (laughs) yeah i i'm really bummed he didn't get nominated for an oscar especially after that awesome video they produced of uh of the 824 produced of james franco (laughs) saying james franco best supporting actor oscar nomination consider that shit (laughs) (laughs) i I love that movie so much. Anyway, I I watched it on Vudu recently, and if you get the chance, check it out. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's absolutely fucking phenomenal, and I cannot... I don't know. It's it's made by Harmony Korine, so it's pretty fucking weird, but, like, I I love it. You should watch it if you haven't seen it. I also caught Waves in theaters uh, this... yesterday, Hmm. (laughs) and really, really enjoyed that. So if you haven't heard of Waves, it's really, really good. It's a little predictable. It's a little hallmarky, but I, it, it reminded me a lot of Boyhood in the sense that it's not really about the story. It's more just about like these moments and how they affect us. Uh, so I really, really liked that. If you get, the, I don't want to talk about it too much because I feel it's one of those movies that you can't really talk about without spoiling mm-hmm. the whole film. So, if you get the chance, check it out. Also, random new band that I started listening to. They're called Sloth Thrust. <laughs> and nice. I really dig them. Their lyrics are fucking weird, but I really dig them. So, yeah. That's the shit I recommend. Uh, Riley, what do you think people should... What YouTube videos <laughs> should people watch? Lots of VR stuff, people. Do it. <laughs> Mainly because I've really gotten into it, and VR has become increasingly cheaper over the years, and I feel like it's also available in public settings because the little no-name town that I live in has a VR arcade, and it's really inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't have a way to have it at home, there's probably a way for you to go out and at least try it. I think it's worth trying at least once. There's lots of different things you can do. It's amazing. But if you're going to just want to explore it a little bit, 
watch it on YouTube. There's lots and lots of different things you can do without fully immersing yourself in the experience. I, I would just like to quickly say that if I didn't know you were talking about a VR thing, everything that you're saying sounds like you're trying to promote a LGBTQ lifestyle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you can give it a little try without fully immersing yourself. <laughs> you know what? You don't need labels. It's 2019. None of that. No. You uh, be what you want to be, people. Reality or not, you can pick. Uh -huh. I'll let you choose. Donnie, what do you, what do you right, got for well, us? If you're, if you're hankering for some more James Caan action, I will recommend that you watch Alien Nation, which is a movie that was back in the early 90s, late 80s. That was essentially the original District 9. Um, it's a buddy cop film, and James Caan is a racist against the aliens that have come to Earth because they're like, they're immigrants. They're like, they've escaped where they're from, and they came to Earth seeking refuge. And and it's, uh, um, and the aliens are like, like en masse, like uh, taking up residency. Very, very uh, uh, social, uh, conscious show like it's very uh um it's a it's it tackles the the science of uh the problems of our times and like back then and now it seems like it's more relevant than ever mm -hmm. um and uh it's a buddy cop film between him uh, and he has an alien uh 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 cop buddy that he's teamed up with and uh you know over the course of the film he learns to not be a bigot and uh, if you like that, which I recommend, I, th I think it's, like, it's corny, but in a really good way. It's, like, if you're a fan of, like, Star Trek or something like that, it just, like, it has some uh, undercurrent themes that make it a little bit more, as well as just being, like, a good cast and just, like, a well-put-together movie. Um, and if you like that, they made a TV show and some made-for-TV movies, which I think are, are pretty good, too, so... If you if you need another like sci-fi like franchise to hop into, I would recommend that. Okay. All right. I've I've heard of that movie. I've never actually seen it though, so I will have to check it out. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the show. Happy birthday, Happy to me. birthday, Happy Jason. Birthday. Uh. <laughs> thank you so much to uh, Doctor Subthumper for doing our musics. So much, Preston Alexander, Pralix on Twitter and Instagram for doing our arts. Uh, thank you so much to Caitlin Industries, which is me right now for editing the show together. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, which Riley has started running. You can find us on Twitter, which Donnie is running, and you can find us on Facebook, which I am running. Please tell your stupid friends stupid. about our show. I would also like to thank. <laughs> I'd also like to thank Riley for running our D&D campaign today and doing such a great job planning it. Oh, thanks. I was thinking <laughs> oh. that it didn't suck entirely, so I appreciate that. No, it was super It was super fun. Um, and... Hail Satan. I think that's it. Yep, Hail Satan and watch Bye. my videos. Bye! Bye! Bye!